everybody. Welcome to Thin Gems Podcast. This show where we like to talk about streaming service and the hidden gems that you can find on that service. I am film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. It's great to be back with you once again. Glad you survived the flash floods. <laughs> we were talking uh, talking off camera about uh, about the HCAs and how it wasn't the most fun. Yeah, I mean, HCA, the ceremony, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had a I had a, a good time with Sean and and Jennifer Chandler, my friends, things like that. Good time going to the CAD Museum with Anne. But it was one of those trips where it just seems like if there's a problem to be had, we had it. <laughs> if there's a thing to go wrong, we we had it. Uh, the crazy weather, it was unbelievable. I mean, it rarely rains in LA, let alone snow. There was snowfall in Los Angeles which never happens. And we had gotten, it seemed like a good idea at the time. We'd gotten the Airbnb uh, in uh, Laurel Canyon in the Hollywood Hills. So it's only like 20 minutes from, from the hotel, uh, from most everything. It seemed like, Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) Well, they ended up having flash flood warnings and the power lines were down and it rained like continually through the whole weekend. Like it never stopped, which is really unusual for that area. And then we didn't have power for a whole day. And so finally our landlady or whatever you want to call owner, the homeowners was very kind and gave us a refund for a day. So then we ended up in a hotel by the airport. Um, But then I lost my license, my, my ID so that was a panicky moment. <laughs> but then the, uh, and I'm just looking through everything because I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to get on the plane. Like, oh my gosh! And and so I'm near tears. And the uh, the and I had called Jennifer. She's looking. She can't find it in the hotel. And the shuttle driver came back and he had it. And I gave him a big hug. I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I actually heard about the snow. Uh, I was actually watching. We're recording this Monday, so Sunday I was watching yeah. uh, the last NASCAR race at the current iteration of the Auto Club Speedway. It's getting refurbished, so uh, it's been. They first raced there in '97, the year I was born. So it was, it was definitely a lot of feelings for me watching mm. uh, watching the last race there, but. The Xfinity race, the division under the NASCAR race, was supposed to race on Saturday, but the race got delayed because of snow. I'm like, what? That sounds like an Onion article. <laughs> NASCAR race delayed yeah. because of snow. Like, I've yeah. rain, I mean, yes, obviously, tons of NASCAR races get delayed because of rain, but snow? Like, that makes yeah. no sense. It was wild. Yeah, Gilmore Toro couldn't make it to the HCAs because... I guess his house was getting flooded or some something along those lines. And people, I mean, it's just, they're just not equipped to deal with it. Like even the like gutters, like aren't deep enough to deal with like real water. Uh, it's like we're overflowing and it was just, it was wild. It was really crazy, but it was also very memorable. So I got to give it that. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Yep, it's the trip you'll never forget. Yeah. <laughs> and I did get to see a lot of it's been time with friends. So and I watched Cocaine Bear. 
So how'd it go? <laughs> I get the appeal. It's not for me. <laughs> um, I felt, I actually thought it was kind of boring. I mean, because it's just kind of the, once they have like the shocking moment of in the first 10 minutes of this cocaine bear, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. It doesn't really like build momentum and there's no characters that you care about. Or so like, I guess it's schlocky fun and it's only 95 minutes. So why not? But not for me, <laughs> but it was fun to do something different and be with my friends. I was wow. like, why did they pick this movie? <laughs> yeah. My weekend was kind of weird movie wise because I ended up because my dad's birthday was Saturday. And after I got off of work, he wanted to go see the Marlowe movie starring Liam Neeson. And oh, so I was yeah. like, all right, sure. So we went to see that. I feel like I'm the only one that really enjoyed that one because it kind of it kind of felt like if, if if they made it in like the mid to late 50s, it would start oh. like a Rock Hudson or a, oh. or a Humphrey Bogart type. It's like very noir inspired. And that's why I liked it so much. And then last night, uh, Sunday night, I saw Luther, The Fallen Sun, because even though it's a Netflix movie, my luxury theater in Daytona gets Netflix movies on occasion. And I love Luther. And so I had to go see it. And that's definitely going on my overlooked underrated list for 2023, because nice. I feel like I'm going to be the only, the only one that really loved that one. It's It was really solid. Andy Serkis, who is the main villain, he was just he was a diabolical little man in that in I've never that. heard of it. What is it? Luther, The Fallen Sun. It's a it's a movie based on it's it's a movie that's kind of like another chapter in this in this TV show called Luther, starring oh, Idris Elba. Yeah. I've never so, seen it. I've heard of it, the show. So it's the next chapter in that. So it was really good. Yeah, I uh, I am going. I'm going to have a lot of movie watching coming up. I'm 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 going to try to see Emily sometime this week, and then uh, tonight I'm going to see Championship, uh, which looks cute. And then tomorrow, seeing finally seeing Creed three. So it should be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, really looking forward to seeing it this weekend. Uh, I've now officially seen all the Rocky movies and the Creed films. So now I'm I am more ready than ready to go. For Creed three because that movie is looking it's looking mint. Yeah, I I got snowed out uh, of the first. They actually had two screenings of it here, and I was snowed out the first one. And uh, so hopefully we'll get snowed out this one because I'm supposed to talk about it on a Good Things Utah this weekend this friday so i need to see it <laughs> that usually helps in talking about a movie if you've seen it <laughs> but uh but why don't you tell everybody what we were talking about which streaming service we're talking about today well we're talking about hbo max and really <laughs> this is becoming one of my favorite like mainline streaming services i think my overall favorite is still i want to say canopy but hbo max has got so much to offer. They've really stepped up their game. Yeah, and this is our 12th episode of HBO Max. Can you believe that? That is just crazy to me. Like like a lot of things are crazy to me, just how we've reached double digits on so many of these. But at the same time, it's like with HBO Max, I get it. Like it's 12, but then again, like I have not had a hard time finding stuff for this. Mm -hmm. Now, they kind of 
went through a rough period for a while there where they were canceling Batgirl and and uh and taking series off the air and not having the Scoob movie and uh, just a lot of drama going on but that doesn't mean they still don't have quite a bit of good stuff yeah that was definitely an egg on the face moment and (laughs) wbd definitely is uh it's going to be interesting when the flash comes out just how they uh circle the square that is ezra miller but that's neither here nor there but i i can't argue with hbo max what we get now i mean it's it's pretty loaded yeah, what'd you think of James Gunn's announcement? Are you, are you excited about it or skeptical? How do you feel? I feel like I feel like this Flash movie is going to be the Flashpoint movie, meaning the yeah. Basically, this is going to be the hard reset that this series has needed for at least five years, because yeah. it feels like all forms of continuity are just like just lost at this point and held together with scotch tape and bubble gum. And I think this really cannot come at a better time because I think, and I'm not going to say that the MCU like is bad now because it's not. It's had some missteps, but I feel like the grip is starting to slip just a bit. And so who better to take the reins of DC than one of the MCU's best directors? Because James Gunn has directed all the Guardians movies and I love one and two, and three is looking just as good, if not better. So I think there is a reason to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I did not like Guardians 2, but I did really like the first one. I haven't seen uh, a lot of his other movies, but, uh, but uh, it is refreshing to see a new voice, to see somebody who seems very confident, they have a vision, they are going to be organized uh hopefully i think that that looks really appealing uh for what uh what made the mcu so strong for so long and now that they just spread themselves too thin and kevin feige i think spread himself too thin hopefully it seems like now we're they're learning and we're we're pulling back we only have two shows this year uh and i think three movies but uh, they're giving them some space and so that kind of that makes me feel a little bit better but uh but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see i was thinking about it today that that i don't think this shazam movie is gonna do very well i don't feel like anybody hardly is talking about it even in like online on twitter and film twitter and stuff like i don't know i just feel i mean i'm not excited about it but i feel like in general it's just really under the radar for for a superhero movie like this a sequel, yeah. no less. I was not crazy about the first Shazam movie. I liked it. I thought it was just okay. But there are yeah. people who are just like, that is just like the best DC movie, just falling over themselves for it. And and it was fine and all, but every trailer I've seen for this, I'm just like, okay, it, it, yeah. it looks fine. I'm definitely gonna go see it, but at the same time, it's like uh all all right, okay. Mm-hmm. Because it, like you said, I feel like this is gonna be I feel like this is the one where they're just not going to do it well, especially considering I feel like this movie Fury of the Gods might be rendered kind of moot with Flashpoint because Flashpoint mm-hmm. resets everything. So it almost yeah. kind of feels like an outside of money. It's kind of like a why bother kind of movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and there's like bad vibes about the new Aquaman. People are saying it's gotten horrible test screenings. I know I feel like they just need to get through this year, get to that flashpoint, and then they can just move on. <laughs> yeah, without a without a doubt. And test screenings, I don't really have a lot of stock in those because I, I feel like I I just normally reserve it until I see it for myself with my own two eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it can just sort of lead to overall apathy towards the film, but but uh, but it just depends. You know, nobody expected the first because I, I think this one will probably underperform, but that's partly because the first one way overperformed. Like yeah. nobody expected that movie to make that much, especially that weekend. Uh, considering yeah. that Aquaman came out the same weekend as Bumblebee. And Mary Poppins Returns. Right. I remember because I saw all three movies in one night. Oh, really? That was my that was my evil Knievel moment, seeing all three of those movies <laughs> in one night. That's funny. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's dive in. What is your first movie you want to talk about on HBO Max? All right. Let me get my list up here. And we'd love to have any of your comments about anything that we talk about in the episode. I know we sometimes go on little tangents, but it's all in fun. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's fun, uh, fun discussion and all that. Well, first up, mm-hmm. I'm going with a movie from 2021, and it is called Nobody. And this is starring Bob Odenkirk as basically the guy that you know in your neighborhood who just... He's at a job he doesn't like. He he loves his family, but it's like something has been lost along the way. But then one night as he's going home, he sees a robbery happening and he stops it to like a scarily good degree. Come to find out, he's basically kind of like kind of like a John Wick type. He was basically like a preventer. He stopped bad things from happening and was really good at it, but retired to raise a family. Well, now He's back and, well, a lot of bad people are coming after him. I think in the wake of John Wick, there have been a lot of these types of movies like Equalizer and just a bunch of others that are like these older actors who are who are like sleeper and steadily like off in the background, like really good, like former secret agents. I guess you could tra- trace it all the way back to Taken, but I think John Wick just really blew it to the stratosphere but nobody is one of the ones that i really liked and mainly that falls to bob odenkirk who has just really experienced a renaissance in the past decade or so he was he was saul goodman in better call Saul slash breaking bad he's been in a bunch of other things he was in the post directed by steven spielberg so he's experienced like um like a major second life in his comedy and acting career and he's believable enough as this agent to where you're like, all right, he can hold his own, but not overpowered, if that makes any sense. By the end, this movie just goes completely off the rails. His dad in the movie is Christopher Lloyd. Yes, Doc Brown from Back to the Future. And his brother is Riza from the Wu-Tang Clan. I kid you not. And the two and, and the three just completely wreck shop in this workshop it's it's so much fun so i so it's fairly recent but i do give it a very big recommendation yeah i've never seen it but i remember hearing about it it came out when theaters were still a lot of them were so closed right 
but it still did pretty well, as I recall. It was, it's hard to say because I remember it was in like, I can't even remember when it came out, but I believe, I believe it was in that ballpark. When did yeah, 2021. nobody, March 26th of 2021. So they were oh, definitely, yeah. definitely in that ballpark of we're reopening, but we're not sure how safe it's going to be. But, uh, but uh, it was in the only theater in my area that was open at the time, the AMC Classic in New Smyrna. So I had to go mm -hmm. out of my way to see it, but it was well worth it. I had a good time with that one. Cool. Yeah, very good. All right. Well, my first uh, first selection, they had four new Christmas movies on HBO Max last year. And I'm going to talk about three of them, three out of four today. <laughs> so because they had a very good slate they did a great job and uh, the first one i'm going to talk about is called holiday harmony and this uh we had uh, annalise sapiro and the the lead actress and the director sean paul puccino on the podcast on hallmarkies podcast because i enjoyed the film so much uh it's about this woman who has this dream of entering the iHeartRadio contest uh songwriter contest uh but she has this old Volkswagen bus and as she's driving across the country to get to the iHeartRadio in California she, her uh her bus breaks down of course they don't have all the parts because it's a little car and uh she meets uh this the this man who starts to work on her car and he is a school teacher and also works in the in the shop with his mom and uh, he kind of corrals her into helping teach the kids at the school there's only like seven kids in the in the choir uh, but of course they start to bond uh, they don't go along at first and then they start to fall for each other I really liked the chemistry. It's Annalise Sapiro and Jeremy Sumter, who I guess he was in the um, 2003 Peter Pan. I don't know if you ever saw that one, but it's pretty good. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Brooke Shields is in it. And I just enjoyed the story. I liked the script. I thought the two had great chemistry. It's like a little bit steamier than Hallmark. A little bit more PG, but it's not too bad or anything but um but there's some intimacy in it in the movie and great songs she has a beautiful voice uh so uh yeah i i really enjoyed it i thought it was great yeah it's uh it's uh, i was gonna ask you is this hallmark but then you said no it's way steamier so i'm like yeah, yeah. definitely not like it's it's not like outlandish but there's like a little bit of steam so I, I maybe would get PG-13, PG-13 rating, but not like R-rated. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, it's, it's, it's the girl going to the city and going from the city to the country, falling in love with a small town and the hometown hunk. It's a lot of your tropes, but I thought done very well. Very enjoyable, very Christmassy. Got lots of Christmas music in there. And there's some people on Letterboxd who said, oh, she gave up her career for a man. I disagree because 
she tries it. She's she she auditions for him. She doesn't like being there. And so she's like, no, I miss being in Oklahoma with my man and the kids that I was teaching and everything else. And then she still pursues her career as a musician. She just doesn't, there's no law saying you have to be in in California or you have to be in in Nashville these days. Like you can you can do it anywhere. So I I disagree. I thought that it was fine in that regard and uh so there we go holiday harmony it, and it's not like super christmasy you could definitely watch it any time of the year yeah like you said with the internet all those walls have been knocked down you can get yeah. famous anywhere for pretty much anything i was just watching a video yeah about the artist Joji who wrote Slow Dancing in the Dark. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard that song before, yeah. but previously in another life, he was the YouTuber Filthy Frank, which was just a trip. But basically he started out as Filthy Frank and now he's like this multi-platinum recording yeah. artist just from YouTube. So Well, and look at all these TikTokers that how have recording deals and yeah. and everything and and have made their own albums at times and they're selling them online all that so it's a new it's a new world uh, so all right well what's your next bit so my next choice is a movie from 2004 this is directly from my childhood so not sure if this is like of as high quality as i remember it being but i just love this movie it's called catch that kid it starred kristen stewart max theriot and corbin blue uh the uh Kristen Stewart's character, her father got injured in a climbing accident many years ago and needs this very expensive surgery. I think it's worth like a quarter million dollars, which which her family does not have. But her mom works at a bank. And more specifically, she's designing the bank vault, like one of the most ambitious bank vaults ever. And so the daughter decides, let's rob the bank. And, and her friends are like, you're crazy and like where else are we going to get the money and so they're like all right let's do it and the movie's basically about that and it's it's very much like in the realm of like fantasy and that this would definitely never happen but i was at the right age to watch this this was in 2004 like kristen stewart was like just starting out this was before twilight i, I believe twilight was in 2008 so, so this was like a few years before that, and she's gone on to great success. She was nominated for several awards for Spencer, so she's gone on to do good things. Uh, Corbin Blue, who would go on to be in all the High School Musical movies, he's kind of dropped off the earth. I don't know what's happened to him, but he is not. So- if you're a Hallmark fan, he's oh, in several Hallmark movies last year. Oh, that's where he's been because yeah. he's supremely talented, and I miss that guy. So yeah, I hope. Yeah. I hope someone gives him something to do. And then yeah. Max Theriot, who was, I believe, in the Bates Motel show, the prequel to Psycho. And then I haven't heard much from him either. I'm sure he's been in stuff, but I just have not seen it. So I, I like all three of these kids and who are now adults. And I'm I'm glad Kristen Stewart is getting the respect that she deserves because she got a reputation for a while. But now through like Spencer and other things, she is like, she's more respected and I'm glad to see it. This movie, like I said, it's just, I was at the right age for it. It's escapism. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff with go-karts and her dad is played yeah. by Hugh Laurie. So that's a lot of fun. Oh, I forgot that. 
Yeah, Corbin Blue was also on the last season of High School Musical, the musical, the series. Uh, oh, that's on Disney Plus. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> most ridiculous name ever. This is kind of fun that you mentioned this one because I actually reviewed this for Family Movie Night way back in 2018. So it's been a while. But when my idea was is that if you have kids who really want to see the Mission Impossible movies, but they're not quite ready, you know, those are pretty, pretty violent, you know, films, uh, then this could be like a palatable alternative. It has those like fun heisty spy kind of elements, but it's for kids and you know not too violent and i haven't seen it since 2018 but i i remember really enjoying it like i said i've reviewed it on my channel so if y'all want to check it out we'll put that as one of the end videos <laughs> well hey that's uh that that's actually a perfect analogy there are definitely four kids mission impossible ones there's even a scene yeah. in, in a vault kind of similar to the first mission impossible yeah. with tom cruise doing this gimmick yeah yeah well, very good. You all should definitely check that. It's a fun little movie. Uh, so my next choice is another one of these HBO Christmas movies. Like I said, it's called a Hollywood Christmas. And this is a like parody. It's a farce uh, about this woman who is making uh, a Christmas movie on the Warner Brothers lot. It's all shot there at the Warner Brothers lot there in Burbank. And, uh, and this guy comes in and he's like, going to shut it down. And, uh, that she has to like cut all these costs and all this stuff. And like, at the same time that, that you have their story, you have her filming a Christmas movie with like a similar story and her, uh, <laughs> so you have the actress and the actor who are in the Christmas movie having romance as well that so you've got all this stuff happening all at the same time and you have her assistant who <laughs> was really funny and she kept saying things like oh my gosh you're in a, you're you're in a christmas movie he's the bad executive who's shutting down the christmas movie uh and i don't know it, i'm not explaining it well but it, she was very funny the the uh the assistant and uh, you have Missy Pyle playing this like diva um, who comes and wants to shut everything down. She was funny. Um, I think especially if you watch these movies, then you'll get a kick out of it. Kind of seeing some of the behind the scenes and the how they make the snow and how they make, you know, some of the sets and that's all shot in the summer. And so they're all roasting <laughs> in, their, in their winter jackets, stuff like that. I, I really did enjoy it. And uh, so it's a, it's a, it would be, I think a fun one to watch year round because it's just so funny. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember listening to the office ladies podcast, uh, Jenna, Jenna Fisher and the lady who plays Angela, the, the, the two who were on the office and they were talking about how they were filming the first Christmas episode of the show in like july so it was way hot but they were like christmas garb all around and it was just it was just a whole big thing and so anytime i see a christmas special i just think to myself i bet you this was august <laughs> yeah yeah they a lot of times those jackets are really actually very light they're made to look heavier and and or sometimes they put ice packs in the jacket 
cool off or we'll have the actor standing in on snow there's all kinds of little tricks that they do <laughs> um, so this just pokes a lot of fun at that and uh, i i had a good time with it so what's your next pick so my next choice is a tv show from it's, it's again from my childhood and it's one of those ones that i just remember watching a ton of on Cartoon Network. It's called Batman the Brave and the Bold. Now, this is definitely a brighter, more child-friendly version. It's not like Batman the Animated Series. It was definitely more inclined to... It was more. It was a more fun version of Batman in the style of like Ben 10 or Generator Rex. But, uh, but I remember being exposed to various like dc characters for the in this show for the first time green arrow shows up a couple times who would go on to have big success with his own show on the cw uh blue beetle is in there which i mean i don't know what the status of it is but he's getting his own standalone movie at some point in mm. the future it's being worked on uh, i think i was in james gunn's thing that he in his announcement it was in there i think yeah yeah, I definitely remember him announcing that, and I've seen a poster for it. Uh, Plastic Man is in here, which that's a lot of fun. I love seeing him. And Green Lantern makes an appearance, I believe. It's just a fun show. It's very episodic, very much Monster of the Week, but it was it was instrumental to my childhood. And like with most kids, they were introduced to Batman mm -hmm. through the Batman the Animated Series this is where I got my first real introduction through Batman, the Brave and the Bold. It was on reruns a lot. And so I have a lot of very fond memories of this one. Yeah, I've never seen that one. I have seen the animated series and I still think that's the best Batman we've ever gotten. Uh, I think everything else is trying to kind of catch up <laughs> to to that one. Or but, pay what's that? Or pay homage. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, so I, I I think that's interesting. Is it more is is it more like Bang Pow like sixties Batman or more? No, no. It's uh, like I said. It's definitely like Ben Ten in terms of animation style. It's not it's not over the top and cheesy, but it's it, it's made it's made for like it's made for older kids, not tweens, not babies but like in that mm. grandfather like like not grandfather but in that like middleman yeah. of like eight nine ten year olds mm -hmm. like definitely beyond like like toddler stuff and into like all right we're going to start introducing some darker stuff now it's like start them with that and then get into the teen titan show because the teen titan show while it has its silly moments gets incredibly dark but i'll save that for another time Oh, good. All right. Well, my next pick is a very silly movie, but I think fun is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And this is not to be taken like too seriously. It's very silly. This uh, man with seven, there's seven brothers. So six, uh, six more, including him. Uh, he decides to go down and find a wife and he does he finds one in millie and then he sings the the men are all depressed because they don't have a girl and so they he sings this song about the sobbing women 
not sobbing, S-O-B-B-I-N-G, sobbing, S-E-A-U-B-I-N, I think is how it is. Anyway, and how they uh, basically in the history, the Sabin women were abducted, but then they end up falling in love with their captors. And so they decide these men to go and t- take these women and think that they'll end up falling in love with them. Well, it kind of works, which maybe isn't the best, but it's all done so silly. I mean, this is not like nobody should go and commit a, a, an abduction based on seven brides or seven brothers. So you have to take it with a huge grain of salt and just, I, I really enjoy the songs. And I I don't know why when they when they updated it for Broadway, they didn't include like a ton of the songs and then they added new songs that weren't that good. So it was disappointing that the Broadway re- uh, adaptation, but, uh, but yeah, you have a great cast in this. You have some of the best dancing ever in movies, a great scenes, Jane Powell, Howard Keel. So good. Uh, so I really enjoy this one but you can't take it too seriously. It's yeah, just fun. It, even the title Seven Brides for Seven Brothers is a little bit out there. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. Have you ever seen it? I have not. I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I have always been intrigued. Yeah, like I said, you just can't take it too too seriously. But uh but what do you have next? So my next choice is a TV show that ran for many years in the 2010s and is called Ballers. This starred The Rock as basically a sports agent. He was the middleman between teams and players. And really, to describe this show is a bit hard because it's it's kind of a new, similar case every week. There are storylines, but it's very much a... It's very much a show where The Rock's character has to put a fire out, if that makes any sense at all. I'm kind of surprised that they squeezed five seasons out of this because of how busy The Rock is just in general. And considering he's even busier now with like DC stuff that he was doing and handling the XFL. I mean, the man just doesn't sleep apparently. So I'm surprised they were able to corral him for five seasons of television, which is quite a time investment. But like I said, The Rock is, is a lot of fun here. He's definitely shows off more of his acting chops here which i do appreciate he definitely has more of his rock isms here which i do appreciate but it's definitely it's a very nice show the the best way i can describe it is kind of entourage but instead of hollywood it's more focused in the sports world if that makes any sense at all which is it's very nice for the rock considering the fact that he was a football player before he became a wrestler and then an actor so I'm sure that must have been very nice for him to go back to. So I give this one a, a modest recommendation. Is he the lead character or is it more an ensemble? He, he is the lead, but there are cur- but there are characters that stick around throughout. Basically his clients and his assistants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember hearing about that, uh, but, uh, but I've never seen it. So that's good to know. That's fun. Well, my next pick, going back to Christmas... We're talking about a Christmas mystery. And this, I think, would be a lot of fun for the whole family because it has something for everybody. It's got your adult characters. It's got your kid characters. It's got your teenage characters. And basically, there's this, uh, there's these Christmas bells that supposedly have kind of magic power. 
these prized jingle bells and somebody steals the bells. And so the, these two little kids end up kind of on the case and they're looking sluicing because her dad is the sheriff. And so she kind of has access to all of this stuff. So she's looking and there's all the different suspects and the red herrings and everything. And I thought it was really well done. I think if kids like something like Harriet the Spy or The Great Brain or, you know, that kind of a, a detective story or mystery story, even Nancy Drew, then I think that they will like this. I thought it was very well done. And it has Violet McGraw in it, who uh, was in Megan, if you enjoyed Megan. Uh, she was in that. Uh, she's a good little actress. And uh, it's got uh, it's got Bo Bridges. He he plays a character's dad in it and also the mayor. And if you like mysteries, I think you'll like this one. It was very I was very impressed. Is there a dude named Clarence in this? Because if there is not, that was a wasted opportunity. Magic Bells, Clarence, It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's not like the most Christmassy thing in the world. But it had a, it had a nice heart to it. And it's about family. And let's see here. Well, some of them, it just says deputy or sheriff. So we can pretend this name, their names are Clarence. <laughs> yeah, because I'm just saying, like, you can't have a story about magic bells and, <laughs> and not have a dude named Clarence in it. It's like, yeah. right. Fair point. Like, Come yeah. on, Warner Brothers, hire me. What are you doing? <laughs> so what is your last pick? So my last choice is a movie from 1957. I recently stumbled upon this for the first time. It's the original, not the remake, the original yeah. 310 to Yuma. So as I'm sure many of you know, James Mangold in 2007 directed 310 to Yuma, starring uh, Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. But it was a remake from 1957. And the premise is that there's a big, there's a big bad outlaw who is captured after robbing a stage and committing murder and in order to take him to the prison in yuma uh, a very poor rancher is hired to take him because despite the fact that he has taken a stance against not harming anyone he needs the money and so he takes the job and basically this movie is the outlaw trying to force him into letting him go by taunting him about how poor he is and all of that and the rancher standing his ground. And there's a whole subplot, or not a subplot, but there's a theme in here of it, it's there's been a drought, it's been dry for a long time, and so it's just waiting on the rains to come. And it's a nice buildup for that. I've mm. been on a bit of a western slash mystery kick lately. I, I don't know why, but I just have been. And it really, I've, I've been intrigued to see this one for a while, and it's really, really solid. It's it's brief at an hour and 40 minutes, so it's a, it's a quick watch, but it is a very well-done watch all the same. I'm kind of surprised it's not talked about more in the Western conversation, but it's got mm -hmm. really good gunfights. It's got a nice little, it's got a nice little dynamic between the rancher and the outlaw, and overall, I really had a good time with this one. Which one do you like better, the original or the remake? 
I haven't seen the remake in the, in a minute, so I cannot accurately compare mm. the two. Yeah, I haven't seen either of them, so I was just curious. Uh, but I've heard good things about both. I do know some people who prefer the remake in this case. Yeah, that's interesting. And it, I, I'm thinking of catching up on Mangled movies that I haven't seen yet because he's directing Indiana Jones 5. Mm. So that'll definitely be one I have to sit down with. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, my last pick is maybe Borderline Hidden Jam because it is a classic. People love it, but nevertheless, I'm including it. It's The Music Man from 1962. This is starring Robert Preston, who played Harold Hill on Broadway. Then you have Shirley Jones, Buddy Hackett, Ron Howard, Hermione Greengold, and the list goes on and on. I love The Music Man. It's very special to me. I saw it with my grandma and my cousin on our special trip before my cousin passed away the next April. Uh, so it's, it will always have a special place in my heart. I love the story of redemption. That there's good even in this uh, this snake oil salesman of Harold Hill. Uh, that uh, I the music is so beautiful, it's so catchy. Seventy six trombones, trouble. Uh, the um, uh, good night, my someone. Uh, beautiful. Uh, Till there was you, as one of the best ever. You've got a good Beatles song out of that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I just, it's heartwarming and sweet and great songs. I love Trouble. It's probably one of my favorite Broadway songs ever. Uh, so I, that's got to be a pick. Isn't this the musical that had to the, till there was you in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one that I said was the Beatles. I remember seeing because I believe it was a local middle school like and this was a long time ago but I remember seeing a production of this it was a really long time ago but mm -hmm. I am familiar with this I haven't yeah. seen this movie but I know what it's about yeah there was love all around but I never heard it singing no I never heard it at all till there, till was, there was you it's a really underrated Beatles song as well. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, and Shirley Jones had such a beautiful voice. She was great in all of her musicals in uh, uh, in Carousel, in Oklahoma, in this. Uh, so, yeah, and, and uh, Easter egg of this is she was pregnant when she filmed this. So if you look at it, she always has like all these layers right around her midsection. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a little bit underrated as far as classic musical films, uh, cause it kind of was at the tail end of that, of that big era, you know, where you had all the Roger Hammersteins, the Lerner and Lowe, all of that going on. This was 1962. Uh, so anyway, I, I love it and I would definitely recommend it. So there we go. We did it. We shared all of our hidden gem picks. So let us know what you have been watching at HBO Max. We would love to hear your thoughts. And uh, Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel just called Ryan Cam. I just recently wrapped up my road to Creed 3 with my thoughts on Creed 2. So that is currently on the channel. As this video goes live and this podcast goes live, uh, 
my latest episode of Life in the Movies with Ryan and Jacob will be up. We'll be doing our March preview, and I love doing those preview episodes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Last week, we did part two of the animation celebration, which was a lot of fun. And then, uh, and then, of course, I will be reviewing Creed 3 when it does come out, and also Operation Fortune, which I just realized is directed by Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie has two movies coming out this year, The Covenant and Operation Fortune. So I'm my Guy Ritchie-loving self is getting spoiled this year. So I'll definitely be checking both of those out. And then I will be starting up my John Wick series in order of John Wick Chapter 4 by reviewing John Wick on Sunday. So if you've not checked me out, please do. Right. Yeah, you also definitely check that. You can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. Uh, we have the end of Jane Austen month coming, and then I'm not sure what we're going to do next. But if you have any ideas for filming movie night, let us know. Or if you have any suggestions for hidden gems, we'd love to hear that too. If there's a streaming service we haven't covered or haven't covered for a while, let us know. And if you're listening to this episode on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. If you're watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that so much. We also have the patron group and merch store. We have some really fun stuff coming up in the patron group, including our watch along for March, where we are going to be having Catherine Davis on. And we're really excited about that actress. We're going to watch Christmas on Fifth Avenue, one of my favorite Christmas movies of recent years. So take a look at that. I would so appreciate it. And then we also have the merch store, which has hashtag animation junkie shirts. Take a look at that. And uh, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.